Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time to talk. This is Election Night in Late Night with Jarrett Hill. Here is your host, Jarrett Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Election Night in Late Night. I'm your host, Jared Hill, and uh, really excited to talk about New Hampshire tonight and all of the crazy uh, election results. I have to tell you, I'm a little bit surprised again. Not quite as surprised as I was with Iowa, but uh, surprised nonetheless. I want to welcome in all of my guests. Joining me here in studio, we have Rance Collins from Bros for America. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. We have Asha Daya, the founder of Girl Talk HQ and the author of today's Wonder Women. Welcome. Hello. And we have Ryan Mitchell joining us from Let's Go There with Sharon Hi. Ryan right here on the new channel Q. Hello, hello. I, uh, I, must, I must say it has been an interesting night looking at the uh, the results oh, yeah. as uh, just in the last half hour or so, Bernie Sanders was officially declared the winner of New Hampshire. Interestingly enough... Uh, in the delegate count and the way that we end up choosing a nominee, Bernie and Pete will both be getting the same number of delegates, which uh, mm. is also interesting, which pits Pete Buttigieg just a little bit ahead of Bernie Sanders. Um, top line feelings, you all. What do you what do you what do you make of what happened tonight for Bernie Sanders, for Pete Buttigieg, but also for Amy Klobuchar, who came in third place, has more votes than Elizabeth Warren and um, and Bern, uh, Joe, Joe Biden, Biden. combined. Yeah. What do you think about that? That's the surprising. I love that you know, this last minute surge from her. I think she's got like this debate momentum going on. I think people are excited by her. Yeah. I feel like we're seeing more from her in these last few days than we've seen in the last few months, which is, I guess, good. I don't know what it's going to mean for her in the next few states, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to see her coming out and you know going big. Let's see what what happens next with her. Yeah, honestly, I think she's a prime example of kind of like the 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 metaphor about kind of the tortoise and the hare, mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. you you think That's it's a fast it's like a fast race, but maybe she's kind of the underdog. The long game. And um, I I think it's interesting, and it kind of makes me, even though I feel like she is so boring, and <laughs> oh, she's no. like watching paint and dry. I said it earlier. And I'm going to continue to say it. But with these results tonight, it's actually making me interested in understanding what she has to say. Yeah. And it's like, maybe, is this a voice that I'm missing? I don't know. Well, so that's what's interesting about primaries, right? Is when mm. you have them in this order, people start to pay attention to candidates because they've done well, right? There huh. are undoubtedly people who voted for Pete Buttigieg tonight because they were like, huh, we did pretty well in Iowa. Yeah. Maybe so he's a well. maybe he's a real contender. There are undoubtedly people who looked at Amy Klobuchar after the debate and said, hmm, "She's got something." I like her because they say so many of these voters make the decision in the last couple of days. This morning they were on MSNBC uh, in a bar, like like they love to be in these kinds of <laughs> situations. Right? <laughs> right. In a bar, where are the everyday voters exactly. hanging out? There they are at the local pub. They were there, right? They were there with all of these people who they were asking, like, "Who have you decided to vote for?" And so many of them. One said that they made the decision in the last couple of days, and each of the people they talked to mm. uh, this morning were saying 
A.B. Klobuchar because of either her debate performance or having seen her, you know, or they're her cousin or (laughs) I honestly feel like her family is there and everyone just looks like her. They're all clones of A.B. Klobuchar. So that's the only reason why they're hopping on this train. Yes, that is like that is exactly how I feel. It's basically Um, like they're Elon Musk. Which means they're like aliens returning back to their home planet, and the home planet is Amy. Wow! I mean, if that can win us the, if that can win us the election in November, that's fine. Let's keep cloning her. We need better Bernie Bros. Like we we need better than that. So so that actually kind of brings me to one of the things that's a real concern to me is the Mm -hmm. Bernie Bro, right? So we saw that polling that said you know fifty plus percent of Bernie supporters won't vote for someone else if Bernie's not the candidate. Mm -hmm. Bernie winning tonight obviously emboldens the Bernie Bro, right? And if Bernie Bernie does not end up being the candidate. It's going to be vicious. It's a real concern. Uh, It does. It does embolden the Bernie bro. But I will also contend here that this was a state he was projected to win by about eight points. And he won the state with over 60 percent of the vote in 2016. And yes, there were only two candidates at that time. But the the. Theory, I think, would be that when you won so decidedly and you're in the state right next door to where you live Mm -hmm. with demographics that are very similar Mm -hmm. to your home state, you're basically on your home turf and you should do really well. So the fact that he's winning this state with less than 2% lead is a huge story. And I would say he should be thankful for Amy Klobuchar's performance on in the debate on Friday, because I think Amy Klobuchar probably took away some of Pete Buttigieg's votes. Mm. And if she hadn't done that, he might not be up there saying declaring victory today. That is a very interesting perspective. We're saying that, you know, considering people talking about the revolution and this momentum he's got, why hasn't he been turning out bigger, Mm -hmm. bigger, bigger where are the voters? yeah, Yeah. You know, in Iowa, he got a lot of young people. But I think that's what we were talking off air about, like this kind of underlying concern that Democrats are not feeling motivated to come out in moments like this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like we're getting that. I mean, not yet, but right now is kind of what we need to see if what's going to count. And I think this is what's important. And I always think about that, that connection of like, what are we going to see actually, you know, on voting day or even a Super Tuesday when we're on the corner. Exactly. When we're not thinking that Democrats are even motivated by any of the so, current contenders. What you're saying yeah. here is actually something that I, I've probably said this on the show on Monday, but I, it's something that continues to sit with me. And I want to bring in uh, Deborah Cleaver, the founder of Vote.org, oh. uh, to be a part of this conversation because I I am still really unclear on how I feel about turnout. Turnout right now, even though it's a little bit low when we're considering how many people have been showing up uh, in the primary and in the caucus. I'm concerned that it's one of two things. Number one, it's either that people are saying, I don't care what Democrat it is, as long as it's mm-hmm. someone that beats Donald Trump. That's on the le- on the Except on one extreme. Except if you're a Bernie Bernie, vote for Trump. Sure. <laughs> That's on one extreme. The other extreme is people are not fired up about this. And people maybe are not going to be like as, as anti-Trump voters as we thought mm-hmm. they might be. Uh, Deborah, I'm curious what turnout uh, and, and the whole get out the, vo- get out the vote um, uh, of the the election right now, what that's doing for you? What is what is that saying to you? Um, so I'm actually looking at the numbers and with 85% of precincts reporting, it looks like turnouts as high uh, this year as it was in 2016. So actually, it doesn't look low. And with this many people running, I kind of expected it to be lower. Mm. Um, it's just okay. it's just less exciting. It, but it, it looks like there's 50 people running. Um, I know <laughs> yeah. it actually yeah. it does. It, it really does. does. 
I know it's only about uh, seven, but so far it does not look like turnout is low to me. Well, I mean, but the, the, all the conversation was that there would probably be historic numbers in some of these states. Yeah. And like, we haven't mm. seen that yet. Mind you, we're two states in. But that doesn't that's not alarming or concerning to you. No, I think we see the historic number uh, in the November election. I so. Like, I actually, I, I'm not sure which one of you said this. I think it's possible that people are like, I don't care. Like, vote blue no matter who. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, um, you know, if, if the average Democratic voter uh, feels super passionately. I know that some Democratic voters do. You know, the, the Bernie bros stand mm-hmm. out. Um but I, at least in, in my friend circle, a lot of people are just like, I do not care. And I refuse to get this worked up in okay. February. One of the other things that was interesting yeah. to me that I that I saw being pointed out on MSNBC a little bit earlier today um, was the numbers on the Republican side. Like, we're all focused on the Democratic primary because there's so many different candidates and we have an incumbent president who's running for re-election. But there's an interesting set of numbers in the Republican primary because technically Donald Trump has to run and get his delegates, right? What's interesting to me there, Bill Weld is the Republican um, that's running against Donald Trump. He brought in 9.2% of the vote so far with 85% of precincts reporting, which means he has almost 13,000 votes. It's interesting to me that one in 10 almost Republicans went out to the polls and voted against Donald Trump, knowing that their candidate wouldn't win, right? Knowing that Bill Weld was not going to get this nomination. That is interesting. It's it's interesting to me that one in 10 people went and voted for Donald Trump. But also, if you look at the 2016 numbers um, from the, the November election, Donald Trump lost New Hampshire by just 3,000 or so votes. When you look at that perspective, Deborah, I'm he also curious, lost Iowa. He well, but I'm I'm speak, looking specifically at, at uh, oh the tw- I see. Right. I was thinking tonight. about the primary. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm I'm curious when you see someone something like that with Republicans coming out to vote against Donald Trump today. Uh, what does that say to you? I mean, honestly, it says there's a good chance that they won't vote in the November election. You know, there's there's oh, two God. ways for Democrat. <laughs> To win, yeah. uh, increase Democratic turnout, or just have Republicans stay home. And and by the way, thank you for pointing that out. I was so busy looking at the Democrats that I actually didn't notice that. Yeah, one in ten felt the Republicans felt the need to come out to vote against Trump. Like that says mm. something. Mm-hmm. That, isn't that interesting? Yeah, mm-hmm. I just hate the idea of of thinking that those people won't come out Mm -hmm. if like you know they're Republicans not out and I think that's the same concern that we're seeing with uh, the Bernie Bernie bros right Mm -hmm. like if they just full on just you know Bernie doesn't become the primary candidate they're just over and done with I I just think that scares me on both sides that we're both politically seeing that both of these parties are there's people feeling the same way like I don't want to vote for Trump and I also don't want to vote for whoever is the so it's just like how do we navigate those conversations and Deborah, I would love to know with like vote.org like how are you navigating those conversations that actually encourage people to come out and actually get involved on a level before the actual important day yeah i know deborah you're not at vote.org anymore oh. but that you're you have yep. but but i'm more so when we're looking at get out the vote and that can you can you speak to that perspective i mean it's really interesting it's like on on the one hand for us political people like right now is just so exciting but and, and keep in mind i'm an optimist always been an optimist about this stuff it's like there's 266 days until the election so i think a lot of people really aren't paying attention right now um the other thing is like 
it's only February and things have been so wild that I honestly and truly cannot predict how many scandals there are going to be between today <laughs> oh my and then November. I mean, anything could happen. I'm going to be in like Anything could happen. I will. Um, so that's, what, that's what I continually think about Pete Buttigieg. And we, I said this on Monday and you guys disagreed with me. But if Pete Buttigieg becomes a candidate the day after, there's going to be some sex scandal. I don't know uh, what the scandals yeah. are about Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right? Well, you know, they, they've never actually fully gone after Bernie Sanders. And you yes. better believe that they are going to hammer in, hammer him on the socialist stuff. Mm-hmm. They're already, they're already to do doing that. it. Yeah. They're already doing it, but yeah. they're going to go hard on him. But they've never really fully gone after him. And the him Republicans have never gone after that's him. What, well, that's, that's what I'm the, talking about. Yeah. They've never fully they've got the oppo research and they're waiting for it so that's what i'm worried about i just hope that you know when you're talking about the bernie bros earlier that there are there are a lot of women of color within his coalition and i hope that they would you know like talk some sense into the bernie bros like come on we can't just lose it but bernie yeah. first of all bernie bros are misogynistic and probably low-key racist undertones they're not sure. listening to black women they're yeah. not listening to really any women to tell them anything specifically True. black women and specifically yeah. probably i don't think bernie has is working with any trans black women but even if when it comes to elizabeth warren she is yes I, I, it's just is it's one yes. of those things yep. that i don't and even she listens to listen yeah. she like they listen, listen. and yep. so my thing is i just don't think bernie bros are connecting with anything other than what is bernie and maybe what Bernie is kind of representing, which is also something that I don't feel like people are nat- really thinking of because it's not like, he, I'm not saying he co-signs them, but he's also not really exactly. stopping them. Exactly. He doesn't no. stop them. He doesn't stop them. Am I the only one that's surprised by how much of a gulf there is between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders when we're looking at these election results? Misogyny. Yeah. It's misogyny. <laughs> do, you guys, do you remember that's Do you remember in 2016 whenever they would they would always say, I would vote for a woman, just not, not that, that woman? woman. Who yeah. is the woman exactly. they would say they would vote for? Elizabeth Warren. Yes. Well, now's your chance to. And they completely ignore ignore her yeah. and she is at nine if they don't go after her it's so sad yeah nine percent okay um misogyny I, I, I keep wondering if it's misogyny like i mean obviously misogyny is always going to play a, a role in this in an election but i'm wondering like what is it about bernie sanders that is so distinctly different that we see this huge gulf of you know 15 points uh yeah. between the two of them because it's a cult I, of personality I, I, I think you're right. You're right. That's why those the Bernie Bros would be like, well, I'm not going to vote for the other Democratic establishment yeah. nominee. I'm going to go to Trump. It's just like if that's if that's your logical conclusion going from Bernie to Trump, then I, I hesitate to call you a progressive in the first place. But you're, you're right. not a progressive exactly. in the first place. You yeah. you just care about your privilege at that point, and you right. just care about it's the, the cult, cult of personality. Exactly. And well, here's the thing: we got to take a quick break. But when we come back, there's some been some interesting developments in the polling around voters around the country. Um, one candidate decided to not even show up in New Hampshire this evening. <laughs> a whole lot more coming up. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Election Night in Late Night with Jared Hill. Election Night in Late Night with Jared Hill. Welcome back to Election Night in Late Night with Jared Hill. That's that's me. I'm Jared Hill, and this is Election Night in Late Night. I uh, want to welcome back all of my guests. Uh, Rance Collins joining us from Bros for America. Hi. And Ashadaya, author of... Uh, <laughs> I love your dance that you're doing to the music. Uh, she is from Girl Talk HQ and the writer of today's Wonder Women. Hello. And uh, joining us from Let's Go There with Sharon Ryan is Ryan Mitchell. You forgot to add your favorite afternoon show, Let's Go there with Ryan Mitchell. Well, Thanks. I'm a journalist and I don't like to lie on the air. <laughs> and then <laughs> joining us uh, on the phone uh, from news. the Bay Area is the founder of Vote.org. Her name is Deborah Cleaver. Hey, Deborah. Hey. All right. So I wanted to talk with you all because uh, about something that 
is interesting to me. We have not even talked about Joe Biden tonight. Thank God. We are. Even my millennial, about exactly, right? <laughs> my Apparently. millennial black soul doesn't want we that. Are 20, <laughs> we're 20 minutes into the hour. We've not talked about Joe Biden, and neither has no New Hampshire, mm-hmm. right? So Joe Biden came in what is looking like a fourth place uh, position tonight in New Hampshire, um, meaning he won't be going home with any of the delegates, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, you had to hit 15. percent Yeah, he's excuse me, he's in fifth place. So yes, that's um, exciting. It's Bernie Sanders is in first, <laughs> Pete Buttigieg is in second, Amy Klobuchar in third, Elizabeth Warren in fourth, also not getting any delegates, mm-hmm. but Joe Biden is in fifth place. Joe Biden uh, decided to not even stay in New Hampshire tonight. Uh, he skipped New- Nevada and is in South Carolina tonight, which he believes, you know, is going to be his stronghold. Like most mm-hmm. people think, black people will always be your stronghold. Well, yeah. but that is what is interesting <laughs> about this, right? So a Quinnipiac poll came out within, uh, I believe it came out either yesterday or the day before, showing that Joe Biden's support in the black community with black voters has dropped by 22 votes. Ooh. 22 points. 22, 22 votes. 22 votes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a lot. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so it dropped by 22 points since the end of January. And he's gone down to 27%. What's interesting is Mike Bloomberg has seen a rise 15 points. Um, he's got a 22% support. But then Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg have all seen like small growth uh, with black voters. So... This is really going to seemingly be Joe Biden's last stand, right? Yeah. If Joe Biden does not come in first place in South Carolina, is that a wrap for him? I think it's yes. not just first place. It's like he needs to win with a considerable margin for him to, yeah, for people to be like, okay, he's still in the race. But yeah, yeah. No. I think it's time that he just wraps it up. I, it's why is it's just so interesting to me how how is Bloomberg getting that level of support? I think. Um, have you seen the new Monday. ad with Obama? Where Obama's kind of a, a comp, it's an old speech that Bloomberg is using for, like, he's like pulling oh. it out of his back pocket, like, oh, Obama has co signed me. There's an mm. ad running currently that oh, I've been seeing a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think there's something to be said about kind of the shift that's happening from um, people and just black people in general feeling like, oh, Joe Biden's in our corner. He had Obama, but Obama really hasn't said anything about anyone. Right. Yeah. And then you see an ad that he's comes writing. up, you know, with Michael Bloomberg spending all of his money to make sure you see it like 12 times a day. Yeah. Yeah. that Obama's co-signing this guy. I think that also yeah. still has a lot of power in, uh, in our community. Um, and I, I thought about that and I was like, wow, there's there's probably a connection there. But I also think Joe Biden's doing a terrible job. I, he is. He is. If nothing else, it's like <laughs> the, the effectiveness God. of spending is always really hard to correlate. Yeah. Right? But, like Joe, yeah. but, but Mike Bloomberg is on the air in all of these states and seemingly that's got to be helping him. But Joe Biden does such a terrible job terrible, in these debates. Terrible. I was saying to all of you while we were in commercial. Is he new to this? If Joe Biden, well, this is his third time running for president. <laughs> and he's not. Yes. He's not. To remember. He's not doing many events. He's but, not doing. He's not getting himself out there. Even right. beyond that, like the idea that Joe Biden cannot compete against Democrats in a debate yeah. makes me really concerned about him really going up against scared. Donald Trump. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see how that is going to turn any differently. Well, one thing I want to say about Mike Bloomberg: you can pay your way to get into the race, which is obscene in itself and whatever. But one thing you can't pay your way out of is your own history when it comes mm. to. 
to policies Ooh. like stop Could and you frisk. hit that bell no, for me? I think that is a... <laughs> tap it. Just tap just, it. The bell. The bell. Which was, oh, there, there we go. Lord, you know, just and give I think it to people... me. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I think you, you make a really good point. So for those of you that aren't aware, today there was a video that, uh, or excuse me, a piece of audio that resurfaced on a podcast where they were talking about Mike Bloomberg. Uh, Mike Bloomberg in, was it 2015 or 2016? 2015. 2015 was talking about stop and frisk. If you're not familiar with stop and frisk, it is a policy that was uh, in New York City that allowed police officers to basically stop whoever they mm-hmm. wanted to whenever they felt like it. <laughs> Brown people. <laughs> exactly. Um, basically, right? Um, to what? stop them and That's frisk them and see what, uh, if they had something on them. Uh, the statistics that came out about stop and frisk basically showed that, you know, an overwhelming number of the the people that were being stopped and frisked were black and brown. And Mike Bloomberg came out and apologized for this right before he uh, I inherited he came this out. policy. Right, right before he started uh, running for office. And uh, I will say that this audio is a little bit difficult, so you got to uh, really turn up your radio and pay attention. But this is him talking about how stop and frisk really was not a big deal and it was not so bad. Take a listen. Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhoods. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the, the way she got the guns out of the kids' hands is uh, to throw them against the wall and frisk them. And then they start. They- um, so the the audio goes on and he is talking about how you can basically, you know, take the description of one suspect, Xerox copy it and send it over to, you know, every different police officer, basically talking about black and brown people. Right. Mm-hmm. He talks about how you need to make sure to put all the cops in the black and brown neighborhoods because that's where the crime is. Um, and wow. there seems like there's no remorse. Right. For the ways that stop and frisk mm-hmm. really negatively impact black and brown people in mm-hmm. New York City. I must say that this number, this number that Mike Bloomberg uh, shows having 22% support amongst black voters, I cannot imagine that holds after something like this. They haven't, they if haven't listened true, to it no. yet, and they haven't like. Well, right, this poll was done pro- before this, happened. right? Yeah. And so I, yeah. I do think everything about Michael Bloomberg has been strategic, and from the moment where he apologizes for this, he also apologizes for his trans, you know, anti-trans mm-hmm. comments and anti-gay comments, all these things. Um, I just feel like he is a proven effect of showing that, yes, he's another white man that's entering into this. He has a ton of money. He's going to do whatever he wants. And I think that's what this shows. And everything that he tries to combat these past remarks feels just strategic at this point. It won't feel like it's genuine. And Mm -hmm. I think there's just no way. I wasn't with him before. I had a problem with the way that he's handled this election. Um, And I also just wouldn't give him my support regardless, especially with everyone talking about what, what was going on in New York with Stop and Frisk. Deborah, and like, does he think people are stupid? <laughs> yeah. I, Deborah, I'm curious about your perspective on this because Michael Bloomberg has obviously spent a ridiculous amount of money uh, in, you know, 35 different states, I believe, to, to try and make a play there. How does the spending tend to impact people's uh, perception of a candidate when, when we're looking at people getting out to vote? Um that I mean, yeah, you know, marketing is marketing. He's marketing himself. And right now, because he hasn't been on any debate stages and because no one's taking him seriously, he hasn't had to face the consequences of stop and frisk. But I wanted to uh, speak to this because there's something that you would have no way of knowing about me, which is that I investigated police misconduct for the city of New York while stop and frisk was a policy. I love a secret agent. (laughs) Even tell you, I mean, basically any time, you know, a black or brown person filed a complaint about being stopped and frisked, we exonerated it 
because that was the policy. And so I can tell you from someone who dealt with these complaints, I mean, these were people who were just being stopped because they fit a description of Mm. like a black man on the street. Um, So the whole thing was crazy. Like in retrospect, I'm like, oh, my God, we would just take these complaints and basically close them because stop and frisk gave the police the right to detain civilians for almost no reason. And the fact that in 2020, Bloomberg doesn't look back on this with the same horror I did is very telling. Like, you know, I was young. I was in my 20s. I just did what people told me to do. But he's a grown man. And he's still like we did the right thing, even though it resulted in finding a gun. I think it was like point one percent and 90 percent of people would just let go like they weren't even given a summit does i i do not think bloomberg uh will survive his very recent defense of stop and frisk how do you think that he is going to be able to respond to this because it's something that i don't see a way around for him Mm. because again like we talked about the trans comment that he made um that that resurfaced from 2016 and i was like this wasn't 1998 no you know what i mean it was yesterday very recent it was yesterday what i I, having worked in new york city how do you see him trying to make his way out of this this situation I mean, the same way he makes his way out of every situation is with money. But I don't think that (laughs) I think he's going to it's going to be challenging. Like he's uh, he's not charismatic in the way that Bernie is or Warren is. His policies are sometimes offensive to the people whose votes he needs. I think it will be really interesting if he actually gets onto a debate stage. um, I think it will be challenging for Bloomberg. I have I've to wanted say, to, to, I almost wanted to get. Yeah, no, right? I, I so, do. To, he to needs to be, be challenged. Yeah. I, was yeah. talking, I was talking with a friend of mine tonight uh, before uh, getting on the air, and we were talking about how it's kind of crazy that Mike Bloomberg could have actually credibly want <laughs> run as a Republican as yeah. well, mm. because he's all over the place on these different policies, which really makes me cringe thinking about how polar opposite our parties are right now, right? There's not a whole bunch of overlap on anything. And the right. idea that he sits so squarely in the middle and could have e- incredibly is running right now as a Democrat, mm. but could have credibly run as a Republican, it makes me nervous because it makes me not really clear on where he stands on anything. Right. Yeah. And he has a yes. whole list of policy positions on his website. Uh, but Also, he ran as a Republican in New York. Like, right, right. He right. ran as a Republican specifically so that he wouldn't have to go through a primary. Oh my God. So, I mean, if there's He's one so thing I would strategic. say about Bloomberg is this is his tactic. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to be involved in primaries. He doesn't want to answer questions. I mean, don't forget, at the end of the day, this man's a billionaire. Yeah, girl, like, he'll be fine. He, He's white, too. Yeah, I, I think I, he heard about that. Just, yeah. like, Wait, no, what? I just wanted to make oh sure. Oh my we god, he's white. <laughs> Go ahead, Deborah. <laughs> he's rich I, and I white. Say, I, I've always felt like, yeah, Bloomberg, a rich white man, is not particularly interested <laughs> in answering questions about his um, behavior and past actions. And as you've pointed out, we're not talking about statements he made in the '60s. Yeah. Mm. Nope. Yeah. We're talking about things that he's probably said over the past few weeks. Yeah, and I actually do think it's important to note here that I really think what we're seeing here is why, you know, we hear topics and we see results of black, the black vote is a very strong vote. Yes. And a very strong vote in it in for the Democrats. I mean, you see Joe Biden running away quick to South Carolina so he can get all the black votes right. he needs. You see, you know, um, you know, all these people talking about you're polling Aligned less than Obama zero. Yeah, and I think um I think this really shows, you know, even 
think kind of falls down to the caucuses and what we're seeing here in New Hampshire. Why are they the first two states? Mm-hmm. Why, why is it not reflective of what we really need? And obviously, that's oftentimes the black vote to really win this thing. I, I mean, like I would say that it is the winner of the black vote that has decided who the nominee was for at least at least since Bill Clinton, yeah. if not farther back. So my question right now is, okay, with Biden seemingly flatlining and him having held that vote for so or held that in poll numbers for mm-hmm. so long now, where is that vote? going to go who is that going to bolster i think that vote has been going to a combination of people and think Amy it's a Klobuchar. Right. is it going yeah. to Pete Buttigieg, though? i think because Pete Buttigieg he, is yeah, enough of a moderate for people he on, um, i mean he doesn't seem to have that support you, oh you mean the black vote yeah, i'm talking about the black vote where is the black vote going where is the black vote going to go because that's deciding the election right there the only way that a person wins without a without you know, strong support from the black community is in a situation that I'm afraid about, which is the situation that won Donald Trump, the Republican uh, primary in 2016. You have an overcrowding of candidates and you mm. win, you squeak by in the early contest at and Super Tuesday winning pluralities and not majorities. Yeah. And you split things up so much that the there's only one candidate left standing, and it's not necessarily the candidate anyone wanted. There's just too many other people to choose from. Deborah, I'm curious about your perspective on, as again, we're talking about get out the vote, right, and how important it's going to be for people to, to turn out uh, in this election. What do you imagine the strategies need to look like for getting uh, voters out to the polls this year? Because we are kind of seeing it being flat from last election. I mean, in general, I think you need to assume that people want to vote. The reason our our turnout rates are so much lower than other uh, countries with democratically elected leadership is it's just hard to vote. I also think this year, um, we're not to be dark, but we're going to see a lot of chaos this year and a lot of uh, misinformation, disinformation. I think in states that, you know, we historically see voter suppression, things are going to be crazy. Polling places are going to be changed at the last minute. So I think it's going to be on all of us to like really make sure that, you know, vulnerable voters know when to vote, where to vote and what to do if they get there. But we've like totally, we were just talking about pluralities. Uh, Jared, I'm not trying to hijack this, but in any way, I, I really wonder what's going to happen if the Democratic convention is brokered. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and this the is person the thing that I've who been, emerges. This is, these is are the words that I've not even wanted to popular. say it aloud. Like, I'm so <sighs> anxious about wait, this two idea. People it's Iowa 2.0. So, yeah. wait, wait, real quick. For someone that is listening and they don't know what that really means, like, what is brokered? So, Can we break down that terminology? Yeah, so the brokered convention is this idea of, of getting to the convention and not having a clear nominee. So, all of these, all of these uh, nominating contests that are happening throughout the primary are awarding delegates to candidates. Oh, Asha, I just realized you and I were at the Democratic oh, we convention were together. In 2016. Sorry, coming back to the conversation. Um, Hashtag throwback Thursday. Yes. Except it's not Thursday. So we, so we are awarding delegates from each state to to these different candidates. So yeah. tonight, uh, both Pete and uh, Bernie are going to take home nine delegates, um, and uh, let's see, Amy Klobuchar will take home six. There's a total of uh, 1900. 11 or something like that that is necessary to get your party's nomination. Right. But if no one has that, excuse me, 1991. 1991, yeah. Um, if no one has that many delegates, 
then we have an issue, right? And so yeah. last time, uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, just made it by, but she got it. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, Barack Obama in the past. But if we get to the convention and there is not a clear winner, then it is a brokered convention where mm. where it kind of becomes like the Iowa caucus. Or the apocalypse. God. Or the apocalypse. <laughs> okay. And I mean, there's cool. nothing there's nothing that Donald Trump would love more, right? Oh, than, my God, yeah. That. That it feels his narrative. Yeah. Absolutely, it. and I mean, like it's a season finale of a reality show. The bur- well, a, it feels yeah. like we're in He's the series finale star. of America. Yeah, but um, we are. We <laughs> would then see those no. Bernie Bros that we talked about, and mm. Asha, you were there last year. Where you, I, I was saying to someone else, like the energy at that arena was. What are these Bernie supporters about to do? It, people were nervous. What are they Wait, going like, to yeah. do? Like blow up the yeah. place? Well, no. Like, are no, they like, going to? Are they going to throw things? Are they going at, to? Uh, okay, uh, okay, okay. Right, and like, walk are they out, storm are, out? Are they going to make a scene? Essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was a concern to me, and like, it ended up being fine. And Bernie was the person that nominated. Um, uh, that ended up not putting uh, Hillary into nomination. Thank you. Um, but I'm just not sure what that looks like, and if it's like down to mm. Bernie Sanders and Pete Booth right um what does that end up looking like other thing i really want to talk about here is what is the path forward for an elizabeth warren because <gasps> oh, i don't see her i'm sad uh, you know she's not winning tonight she don't didn't win in iowa I, right that's what i'm saying i rather us keep hope on yeah. elizabeth warren because i feel like don't count around there yet. are more and i and i really do feel like there is a sense of like a lack of communication when it travels i don't really think like you know uh, deborah mentioned this earlier it is a little bit earlier mm-hmm. but i also think in a lot of spaces these type of conversations and these type of news outlets are you know education of a lot of things are not fortunate to a lot of people to mm. understand this and understand what's going on and so if they don't understand that there's a candidate that is like actually preaching policies that they actually would you know need a yeah. formal un- like understanding of because a lot of times it. I'm understanding a lot of like oh what do these policies mean what does this mean yeah. and I, so I do think there's a, um, a education there that it, it just you have to be one interested in finding out She's right. not getting the coverage. She's yeah, not, right. And so, that is really hurting her. And yes, I will also yes. say she was very, it is so unfair and is so sexist, but she's the one who took a hit last month when yeah. that situation happened with Bernie. She took a hit. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, well, 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 I think that a lot of, well, that that was with a lot of the Bernie bros coming out and yeah. calling her a snake and this and that and the other. And it's they like, destroy that, people. that old it's school what misogyny. They do. So, but I, I don't think she's out of the race yet. Okay, either. so uh, Deborah, I know we've got to let you go here in a moment, but I, I want to give you the the kind of last bit of perspective on what is, what is the path forward if there is anything that uh, that Elizabeth Warren can do in, to turn something around? Bill Clinton did not win a primary in 1992 until the sixth primary, which was Georgia. This race is so point. far from over. And he and only won he one on Super Tuesday. He only yep. won one primary I, you know, on Super Tuesday. So far, what, 350,000 mostly white people have voted right. out of 234 million voting eligible yep. Americans? Thank you. I, it, it would be different if the first states were like New York, Texas, and California. Mm-hmm. Mm. But that's why I think what, it should change. I think, yes. I yeah. think that's a really so, valid point. Um, well, Deborah, thank you so much. She's got a very diverse coalition as well. What's that? She's got a very diverse coalition of people yeah, it's working the best, for her. in my opinion. And yeah. currently, Undecided is winning in polls. So, I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> there's a lot of room um, to Deborah, grow. Deborah Cleaver, the founder of Vote.org, we thank you so much for t- for uh, being a part of what we're doing here. Uh, we'll talk to you next time, okay? Bye, Deborah. Bye. Bye, uh, everybody. Thanks so much, Jared. Of course, of course. Okay, so I want to know from you all, um, <laughs> do you think that Bloomberg is going to be the sleeper? 
because we're not going to see him until Super Tuesday showing up on any of these. And like there were people writing him in today. Um, do you think that Bloomberg comes up as a, as a sleeper because that's what we were just talking about a little bit ago? Yes. Oh my. It's it's kind of scary to admit that, but the way mm-hmm. that his unlimited pockets are going, mm-hmm. I really feel like who's ever doing the targeting is hitting it, and they are doing their job very well, and they're most definitely making their money's the, worth. I bring this back up. He's because a definite possibility. One of the things <laughs> I, I forgot to mention earlier was like Bloomberg is now pulling at number four in national. Polls. I'm going to throw yeah. it. You know what I mean? As long as he's above <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard, you know. It's, it's um, a it's a scary thing. It is scary, I think, because there are there are a lot of people in this country who may not know his track record, but they. See see him like yeah. as a moderate alternative to the more progressive candidates mm-hmm. and they're like okay he's someone I could stomach I'm going to vote for him without knowing policies like stop and frisk and his history with republicanism and I think that that could be dangerous to the Democratic Party because you know they're so hell bent on going after these Republican voters Trump voters it's like no we need to turn out unregistered voters yeah. and turn out the Democratic base which are women of color you know what I've always yep. like wondered about and this is just me thinking in my my like in my bed just sitting there. Um, A window, you know, if, if you will. So Michael Bloomberg, as we acknowledge, that he ran as Republican. He was very Republican mindset. Yeah. Even if he, like, let's say he is a sleeper, he ends up winning this whole entire thing, what would ever change his mind to, like, kind of go back into his Republican ways? Like, is that well, a possibility? It. Is that a thing? Is that is that something well, that he can actually well, then you do, you've got to have a Democratic House and Senate to keep a check on but him. But if that doesn't happen, yeah. right. then exactly. it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, whoa, this could Who does he surround himself with? <laughs> well, Who does yeah, he? yeah. That's why I'm, I'm so concerned about, about Michael Bloomberg. The idea that, when I said earlier, like, he could have credibly run as a Republican. Yeah. And and the way that doesn't make clear for me like what your positions are on things yeah. it makes me just as nervous about him as Donald Trump right he wouldn't be as ratchet on Twitter maybe yeah. but like <laughs> but you know like he could make... still be attacking women's pr- reproductive rights exactly. you never know what could happen exactly. he could still be going after yeah. you know Muslims he could still be right. my gay ass exactly <laughs> um, like, yeah and so it, it makes me concerned because I'm not really clear what to do with a with a Mike Bloomberg as a potential candidate um, and so that is that is what my concern is I want to join uh, I think we have him on the phone right now. Uh, CNN political analyst and uh, longtime friend of mine, and I must say, like gay black icon Keith Boykin is joining us on the phone right now. <gasps> are you kidding me? It's um, the Keith Boykin. It is the Keith Boykin. Ooh. Keith, no, are you there? I, I believe In Keith is on the phone. Wait. Wait, let's see. <laughs> Did it do it? Let's see, Keith. Are you there? Oh, he's not. He's getting wait. Justin's running up. around in the back. Um, okay, but we are um, we are getting Keith on the phone right now. But I'm excited to to chat with him. We're running the board over here. It's a whole <laughs> lot going on behind the scenes. Um, and so I, yes, but about Bloomberg. I guess my biggest concern is that I hear Keith Boykin in my ear right now. Keith Boykin, how are you? Hey, how are you, Jared? Very well. I was saying that you are. Uh, I. Keith has been a friend of mine for years now. Uh, we I actually met him at, on we, we actually met at the Democratic <laughs> Convention. Um, Connections. I, I like to make him cringe a little bit. And I, I, whenever he answers the phone, I always say, it's television's Keith Boykin. Um, you okay. should. <laughs> so That's Keith, how I look at him on Twitter. Keith, we're talking about Michael Bloomberg right now and wondering if he's going to be the sleeper. I want to know what you think about Michael Bloomberg's candidacy uh, as we look forward to uh, these upcoming states and Super Tuesday. Well, um, I don't know. I, I'm not a Michael Bloomberg fan, first of all. I'm, I'm a New Yorker, so I lived through all three of his <laughs> terms, including his illegal, in my opinion, third term. Uh, but um, I feel like um, he's doing a good job of avoiding criticism. You know, he, he avoided all the debates. He's avoiding Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina. 
he'll be on the debate stage, I think, in the next coming debate. Uh, but that's the first time because the DNC changed its rules to accommodate him. And uh, that's the first time we're going to see him on stage where he's going to take a hit from his from his opponent. So it's kind of too early to tell. He's spending a lot of money in some states where he's being unchallenged. Uh, he's getting his message across. You see, he's increased in black support. He's now second to... Uh, to Joe Biden in uh, black support and the latest Quinnipiac poll, yeah, 22% black support compared to 27% so, from Joe Biden. So that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. And I only have a minute here before we have to take a quick break. But I'm curious sure. how this audio that came out today of of Mike Bloomberg, how do you think that's going to sway black voters or do you think it's going to have an impact? I don't know if enough people know about it, because if you ask black people in New York, we know all about Mike Bloomberg's history. And I was, I'm one of, the, one of the people who was yelling from the rooftops months and months ago, Mike Bloomberg should not be the nominee. He's a horrible candidate. He's a, he ran racist policing policies in New York City and he, he expanded gentrification in the city. And, and those, those statements I saw in those audio tapes and videotapes are completely consistent with his, his cavalier attitude toward African Americans and black and brown people in particular uh, in, in New York City. So it's no surprise to, to me. But I think there are so many Democrats, including African American Democrats, who are desperate to be Trump. They're willing to, to, to hitch their saddle to anybody in order to win in this election. November, so who knows? I've been saying I would vote for a can of dog food over Donald Trump. Uh, we gotta take we gotta take a quick break when we come back. More of this conversation. We're gonna wrap up uh, talking about New Hampshire and looking ahead to what's what is to come uh, in the upcoming debate and the next states. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Election Night in Late Night with Jared Hill. Election Night in Late Night with Jared Hill. Welcome back to Election Night and Late Night. I'm Jarrett Hill, and I am joined by a a panel of, of experts, of fantastic folks that I'm always grateful to have joining me. Uh, Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan, weekdays here on the new channel Q. Hi. We have Asha Daya, writer of Today's Wonder Women and the founder of Girl Talk HQ. Hello. We have Rance Collins joining us. He is the founder of Bros for America. And joining us on the phone is the icon. <laughs> I'm I just know he's cringing right now every time I say it. Uh, CNN political analyst uh, Keith Boykin. Hey, Keith. Hey, how are you? All right. So I wanted to talk about uh, the fallout of New Hampshire, right? Um, (laughs) We have seen some folks fall out today. Uh, Andrew Yang um, was one of those people that we we lost in the race today. And also Michael Bennett, Mm -hmm. who no one's ever had a conversation about. (laughs) I don't even know who that man yeah. is. I'm sorry to that. Devin, yeah. Devin Patrick. Right. De- Deval Patrick. Deval. I don't think he's gotten out of the race. I don't think he's, he's still out. in the race. Oh, he's still yeah. in the race. He's going to make an announcement tomorrow, I think. Oh, oh I ain't that a blessing. So, okay, with, with these candidates starting to fall away, we, there was a conversation here um, about one of the candidates. Her name is Tulsi Gabbard, comma, Russian agent, uh. period. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like... I keep looking at Tulsi Gabbard and wondering, like, <laughs> what exactly is happening here? That really tickled you, Rance. Um, but I, I, I did. I, I love Tulsi it. Gabbard, and I and I keep saying Tulsi Gabbard is going to get out of the race and run as an independent. I believe Just that despite because Tulsi Gabbard, comma Russian agent, comma is going to try and disrupt the race as much as she can. Keith, I want to give you first uh, first perspective on this. What is your 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 perspective on Tulsi Gabbard? You could be right. I mean, I don't trust her. I don't know what she's likely to do. She has never had a chance of winning the nomination of the Democratic Party. I'm not clear why on earth she was running in the first place. She seems like she was defending Putin and, and Bashar Assad in, in, uh, in Syria and attacking Hillary Clinton most of her campaign. So that doesn't seem like a recipe for trying to win the Democratic nomination. And so if she does run, even as an independent third-party candidate in the general, 
Who's going to vote for her? That's what I'm wondering. Like, spoiler who is the Tulsi Gabbard voter? She has like a very strong contingent, like small, but there are some rabid Ooh. Tulsi fans. Well, there are there are 8,923 people who voted for her, according to uh, yeah. the results coming out of New Hampshire. Those are the same people that are BTS fans. I believe they're all bots. <laughs> you know no, what? I, I think oh, it's very real. I think she's very real. real. I mean, what is the political philosophy of a Tulsi Gabbard fan? Nothing. I mean, what, what, what did you believe in? Here's what I think. Exactly. She's got a lot of people who are either unregistered voters or people who choose not to vote but that only vote for her and if she's not the nominee they're just going to sit it out as usual they're like Joe Rogan listeners they're Fox News watchers because those are the mediums that, the platforms that she's going on mm. because she knows yes. that mm. these people that she wants to cause division she hates Hillary Clinton she's in it just to cause disruption she's not a serious candidate no. but she knows she's got an audience and she can scared. pull the votes what does the loss of Andrew Yang mean to the race today that we can't say Yang gang anymore I, I, I mean, mean he brought in almost well, 3% think, go ahead Keith. I think it's actually more serious than that because Andrew Yang is the last person of color. Yeah. Oh, for stage. sure. Yeah. And well, there won't be any people of color on the debate stage in the next debate. Uh, and this is a race that started out with an incredible amount of diversity with mm-hmm. people like Kamala Harris and Julian Castro and Cory Booker and Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard, for that matter. And now none of them will be on the stage at the next uh, debate. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a sad testament to just how the Democratic Party has worked to create a system that simply amplifies the voices of, of the sort of the usual suspects. What's interesting about that is uh, Andrew Yang won't be on the next debate stage, but seemingly Michael Bloomberg will be. Uh, it oh, seems like, like the yeah, by the way things mm. have changed, uh, it seems like he might Nothing be able to make the changed. next debate stage. I, I, I don't know. It kind of makes me cringe. Also, we have uh, Deval Patrick, who we are expecting to uh, seemingly maybe be getting out of the race tomorrow. Keith, your perspective, why has Deval Patrick not caught on? Huh, that's a tough question. <clears throat> I hate to answer this question. I've avoided answering any questions about him because I've known him for 25 years and um, respected him a great deal. Yeah. I worked with him in the White House years ago. But uh, I don't think he ever had a chance. I think he knew that he never had a chance. Uh, I think he was encouraged to run by people because he was supposed to provide some sort of outlet for others who were disappointed by the leftward movement of the party. Uh, I've heard some rumors that he was uh, put up to it by Bloomberg and he might get the uh, VP spot if Bloomberg wins the nomination. So I don't know exactly why he was in the race in the first place. I haven't spoken to him at all this year, so I have no idea. I don't know why he chose to run. And um, uh, I had said years ago, actually, I don't know if I ever told you this, Jared, but I've told a lot of people this years ago, uh, Deval Patrick is the only person who I ever worked uh, on a a campaign for president for. Um, mm. I didn't work for Obama, and I actually went to law school with Obama, but I didn't work for Obama's campaign. I didn't work for Hillary's campaign, but I had always said I would work for Deval Patrick's campaign because I respect him so much. But he's changed so much since that time, and uh, and I, I don't think he has he would ever have a chance of winning the Democratic nomination uh, in today's world. Interesting. Wow. Um, Keith, before we let you go, I what it, as you look ahead to uh, Nevada and Nevada, 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 Nevada. Uh, Nevada. as you ahead um, to there in South Carolina. Do you think South Carolina is make or break for for Joe Biden or can he Absolutely. still survive in Super Tuesday? If he loses South Carolina, his campaign is over. There's no... And if he, he makes it to South Carolina, there's another question. I mean, he's got to oh. do well in Nevada, too. He can't finish in fifth place in Nevada. Mm. And... Um, He's got. I think he's got to finish the top two in Nevada, and if he wins in in South Carolina and he wins comfortably, then it's a whole new race. 
uh, and Super Tuesday is going to be determinative at that point. But if he loses to South Carolina, then it's a it's a wash. It's over for him. And the question then is, what happens to the black vote? Mm-hmm. Do they go to yes. Mike Bloomberg? Do they go to one of the other candidates? I mean, Poop Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar are doing horribly with black voters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where they go at that point. Elizabeth Warren. I I, I said that was your last question, but, but 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 what do you yeah. think about around, yeah. what do you think about Elizabeth Warren there? Well, uh, I think that last poll I saw, she and Bernie are doing um, relatively well uh, among black voters. They're not doing well, to be honest, but better. They're doing better. They're not at zero percent. Right. Bernie Sanders in the yeah. Quinnipiac poll is at 19 percent with black voters. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is at 8 yeah, percent. But both exactly. of them are so up they, from their last position. They are. They are. And it's, it's all because Biden is collapsing. Yeah. Uh, Biden's black support is collapsing. So that firewall in South Carolina is going to be critically important for him. If he doesn't hold up, if black voters abandon him, then black voters are up for anybody. This is one of the reasons why I was saying all along that Kamala Harris should have stayed in the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yes. I always I always knew that Biden was a weak candidate. I've been saying that for a year now. People God. were criticizing me for saying that. Why are you so critical of Joe Biden? Because I saw him. I worked, on, I worked against him in 1988 when he lost. I saw he lost in 2008. If he couldn't beat Mike Dukakis in 88, and he couldn't beat Hillary Clinton in 2008, how the hell is he going to beat Donald Trump in, in 2020? That's right. the philosophy I've always approached it with. Mm-hmm. Keith Boykin, yeah. the icon. Tell people where they can find out more about uh, you and all the stuff that you're working on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Boykin or on uh, my website at KeithBoykin.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. I know it's late Thanks there in New York. You all. Of course. I know, right? All right, bef- before we go, I want to uh, to look ahead from you guys' perspective as we look ahead to Nevada and to South Carolina and then Super Tuesday. Um, what do you guys think these are omens of as we're looking at these results from now two states that have that have gone and we've seen Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders, number one. Asha, I'll let you go first. I just want people to, um, I'm an optimist, like Deborah was saying before, like I don't want people to kind of write anyone off just yet if their candidate didn't win. I don't want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy like, oh, everyone says so-and-so is going to win, so I guess we're just going to vote for so-and-so. It's like there are all these states that are much more diverse and that, you know, there are candidates who are still building coalitions and people like Elizabeth Warren, look, she is my preferred candidate. I will put that out there. But I think that, you know, it's it's far too early in the race. Iowa, New Hampshire are some of the widest states in this country. The electorate is completely changing this election, the next election. It's not going to be where we're not going to see white people as a majority. We're going to see more Latinos. We're going to see more young people, millennials especially. We're going to see more people of color, black and brown people. So I don't think we should should be putting so much of our faith and our like political energy into just two right, states. Right. Like, don't don't write off other candidates just yet. Last minute here, Ryan. What do you think? Um, well, I'm a pessimist for sure, and <laughs> I think I'm a, a pessimist because history has taught me to be. Mm. Um, America enough. and every in our decisions. I mean, if we look at the past, look at where we're at currently. And so for me, I just want people to understand and take very seriously. If Joe Biden doesn't win South Carolina and that black vote is just going, just like you know Keith Boykins just said, what are we going to really do? Because no candidate can win if they do not have that strong black yeah. or brown vote. Yep. And I think if we don't take that seriously and we don't get involved in our election before any of the major moments, then we're going to be screwed. Rance, last word. Um, I just want to say, if you're looking for comparisons in previous primaries, don't look at 2008, don't look at 2016, go back and look at 1992, because that has a lot more in common with what's going on right now than any other primary. All right. Um, I guess my last word here is 
I think we've still got more surprises left in us. I, I think love that, that there's still yes. more to see, uh, more to figure out about this election. I want to thank all of my guests for joining me. Rams Collins, Asha Daya, Ryan Mitchell, Hi. Deborah Cleaver, Keith Boykin, and our producer here in the studio, uh, Ginger Justin. Uh, you might remember him from Drop the Subject, getting fired in a game. It was a whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> we thank you so much for joining us. We will be back here on uh, another night live talking about this election and what's going down. I appreciate you tuning in. Have a great one. Election night in late night with Jarrett Hill.